0: Listening to sermon audio from Grace Mosaic, a congregation of the Grace DC Network in Northeast DC. For more information about our church, visit us online at gracemosaic.org. If you've been logging extra hours on Netflix during this pandemic, you may have noticed the release of a new show called Song Exploder. Song Exploder started as a hit podcast and has even been called the greatest podcast ever created. But in each episode of the show, the host, Rushikesh Hiraway, sits down with an artist to interview them about a song that they've created. And the interview takes the audience through the process of writing, composing, performing, recording, and releasing that song. And music fans get an inside look. They get to see how much care is placed into every decision that ends up on the final cut. The artist will sort of deconstruct their song, breaking it down piece by piece. And they talk about how specific decisions were made. They, they share how their experience informed what they created. And you get to see how the different parts hold together in a unified work of art. And one thing becomes clear as you watch the show. After seeing an episode, you can never really hear that song in the same way again. It it now takes on a greater depth and a greater sense of meaning. Over the last few months, we've been walking through the Gospel of Mark in a series called Follow Me. We've been considering the earthly life and ministry of Jesus Christ, and we've been exploring his invitation to follow him, to become his disciples. But to put it in a different way, I think you could really call the gospel of Mark a discipleship exploder. With each chapter of his gospel. Mark is engaging with the person and work of Jesus, and he's detailing a way of life to which Jesus calls his disciples. Mark shows us the makings of discipleship. He shows us the process of discipleship, the various aspects of discipleship, and the spread of discipleship. And everyone considering Jesus is given a glimpse into the making of a disciple, We get to see how much care God puts into forming his disciples. Through Mark's gospel, Jesus is sort of deconstructing discipleship, breaking it down piece by piece. We we learn why Jesus made certain decisions in his life and ministry. Mark shows us how Jesus' own experience informs what he's aiming to make of us. And we're given a vision of how we could all come together for the life of the world. And one thing becomes clear as you read Mark's gospel. Once you understand this text, once you understand Mark's gospel, you can never think of discipleship in the same way again. It now takes on a greater depth and a greater sense of meaning. And in our text for today, in this episode of Discipleship Exploder, Mark has a word for the church and a word for the world. These are our two points for this morning. A word for the church and a word for the world. So let's look at our first point where we see that Mark has a word for the church. The text before us gets into important themes in Christian faith and life. The person and work of Christ are central in this work. And some of the themes that Mark gets us into include redemptive suffering, service, humility, character, discipleship, leadership. But when you make the connection between these textual themes and the original context of Mark's writing, it all grows more profound and insightful. If you remember from previous sermons, a strong consensus of New Testament scholarship sees Mark as a mouthpiece for the Apostle Peter as he writes this gospel. Mark relied upon the eyewitness testimony of Peter. And this scholarly consensus identifies a date for Mark's gospel In the 60s AD. But this information is so much more than basic biblical studies data. It gives us insight into Mark's message. It was in the 60s AD that the Roman Emperor Nero was in power. Nero's rule was a time of severe persecution for Christians. In AD 64, Much of Rome was destroyed by fire. And to divert suspicions that Nero himself had started the blaze, this evil emperor falsely accused Christians. And the citizens of Rome were already prepared to believe the worst about Christians. So, after forcing a conviction for arson against certain Christians, Nero conducted mass arrests and had Christians tortured even burning many Christians alive in public. Now turn with me to the beginning of our text, and you'll start to see why this makes sense, why this connects in such important ways. Look at verses 33 through 34. Jesus says to his disciples, so we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. Jesus is giving his disciples a description of what is to come for him when they get to Jerusalem. But look at the summary that Jesus puts on this suffering and abuse in verse 45. He says this, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is telling the disciples that he fully knows how the world is going to treat him, how they are going to hate him. But it's this same world that he is going to serve to his very end. This is the mission of Jesus. But he's also telling his disciples that this is the paradigm for following him. Now, take a step back and think about what Mark is doing. Think about Mark's discipleship exploder for the church. What Mark gives to the church in the middle of Nero's persecution, in the face of imperial abuse and public violence, Mark gives them a vision For serving the very people who will hate them. Mark is showing us that this is the mission of the church. The church's preparation for living in a world where they are hated is a vision of service because the mission depends upon the church maintaining a servant's identity for its witness in the world. He's training them to be givers, even though people won't appreciate them or their gifts. He's forming them to think of the needs of their neighbors over their own troubles. He's giving them a very specific vision for their relationship to the world. Now listen, much of the American church today wants to be the world's teacher, dishing out our theological lessons and smacking them on the knuckles with our ruler, when they have the wrong answers. Some in the American church want to be the world's judge, handing out harsh sentencing for the moral decay and declining civic virtue, ready to lock them up and throw away the key. And still others in the American church want to be the world's entertainer, aiming to attract crowds to a fun, substance light worship service with Fog machines, theater lights, skinny jeans, horn rimmed glasses, and the genie in a bottle Jesus, whose wish is your command. but this passage is forming us not to be the world's teacher, primarily, not to be the world 's judge, not to be the world's entertainer, but to be the world's servant, attuned to their condition, anticipating their needs, and ready to sacrifice for them, to care for them, and to be present with them in Jesus' name. It's in this very way that the mission of God advances. It's in this very way that the church bears witness to the Jesus who came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Service changes the Christian from a mirror in which the world's selfishness is reflected back into a window through which Jesus, the God who serves, can be seen. Furthermore, Jesus shows us that if you are truly a servant of God, then you will be a servant of the world. The two are inextricably woven together. And we need to pay careful attention to this message today. Even though we could hardly call what we're facing persecution, because the opposition we face today in the American church largely results from departing from Jesus rather than actually following him, the underlying call to mission through service is still critical. It's, It's still critical for our life in the world. It may be that our Our witness will only be repaired as we return to our identity as servants. This is Mark's word for the church. And I want to invite you to ask yourself a searching question. I want you to wrestle with this. I want you to take this and I want you to mull it this week. Here's the question. What does it mean that your Lord is a servant? What does it mean that your Lord is a servant? How does this truth inform your ambitions and your dreams? How does this truth inform your sense of self and your identity? How does it inform your daily attitude and the way you do your work? How does it inform your prayers? How does this truth shape your posture toward your friends and foes, your family and your neighbors? How does it shape your your words, the way you use your words? What kind of direction do you think this text gives to the church in America in this moment? I want to invite you to wrestle with a few more pastoral questions. And I want you to be honest with yourself. It does you no good. To try and fool yourself, to try and make yourself appear to be better than you actually are, to talk yourself out of that sting of conviction. A few more questions that I want to invite you to wrestle with. Do you get angry when people treat you like a servant? Do you treat daily service opportunities like cooking meals, cleaning up messes and helping people in your household? Do you treat these as an inconvenience or an invitation to follow Jesus? Do you normally think that you have more important things to do than serve others? Here's another one. Have you ever uttered these words? "What am I, You're maid?" What am I, your butler? What do you think I am, your slave? If you have uttered these words, have you repented of your departure from Jesus on these occasions? Would the children in your life say that you are delighted to serve them or that you are annoyed by their needs? Parents, are you raising servants... Or people who will want glory without a cross. That's what James and John wanted. They wanted the place of glory. That's where they thought this thing was headed. They thought that the end of this this journey to Jerusalem was going to be immediate glory. Messianic kingdom set up. And they wanted to be at the right and left hand of Jesus. But ironically... James and John would soon come to see that those who would actually be on the right and left hand of Jesus on that on that great day, in that great moment of his triumph, it would be two crucified criminals, making plain what it meant to share in his cup and in his baptism. However, the Lord would eventually help them to make the connection between service and mission. And it would turn the world upside down. This is Mark's word for the church. But he also has a word for the world, which brings us to our next point. Mark has a word for the world. This entire passage is unfolding as Jesus makes his final journey toward Jerusalem, where he knows that the cross awaits From the very beginning of this section of scripture, it is amazing and frightening to his disciples. They see a determination, a focus in Jesus to complete the work he was sent to do. Jesus knows what's ahead of him. But a little while after Jesus teaches his disciples about service, they pass through Jericho. And the text tells us, that not only were Jesus' disciples traveling with him, but also a great crowd was traveling with him. And you can imagine all of the commotion and noise that comes with the crowd. So picture it. Here's Jesus. He's got the weight of the world on his shoulders as he thinks about the suffering that awaits him in Jerusalem. He's near the end of three years investing in 12 men who still aren't getting what he's been teaching them. He's had to deal with nonstop opposition from the religious leaders and constant demands of the crowd. You can see that Jesus already has enough troubles and he knows more are coming when all of a sudden he hears a voice crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus can also hear a chorus of rebukes trying to silence this man named Bartimaeus. Be quiet with all that noise. Stop being a nuisance. Get lost. Nobody cares about you. They continue to pile on poor Bartimaeus, but he cries out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And suddenly Jesus stops in his tracks and all eyes are on him. Jesus then turns to his disciples and with that familiar look on his face, he says to them, call him. As if to say to his disciples, let me give you an example of what I was saying about service and mission. And they call Bartimaeus with one of the most beautiful and hopeful phrases in Mark's gospel. Take heart. Get up. He is calling you. Take heart. Get up. He is calling you. We have to remember that when the gospels were written by the evangelists, it wasn't just for the church. It was also for the world. And here Mark is making a very clear statement to the world as he relays this story of Bartimaeus. In fact, Mark even translates his name, son of Timaeus, for any cultural or religious outsiders because he wants every outsider everyone trying to learn more about Jesus, all of the curious, everyone struggling through life and faith to put themselves in the place of Bartimaeus, to open their ears and to hear this word, take heart, get up. He is calling you. You you may not have your life together, but take heart, get up. He is calling you. You may have lots of sins and failures and faults, but take heart, get up. He's calling you. You may have been disappointed by religious people in the past. You may have church hurt, but take heart, get up. He is calling you. I mean, can you imagine Bartimaeus hearing this invitation and then taking a pass I mean, could you imagine Bartimaeus saying, nah, I'm I'm not going to go to Jesus because some of those people in the crowd who were following him did me wrong. Absolutely not. The text tells us that Bartimaeus threw off his cloak. He sprang up and he came to Jesus. And by coming to Jesus, his whole life was changed. He was restored, and the text tells us that he followed Jesus. Mark is telling us today, Jesus is calling you. He's calling you to come and receive healing for your wounds. He's calling you to come back home to his love. He's calling you to come and enjoy rest for your weariness. He's calling you to join a feast that will fill your emptiness. He's calling you to a life that's richer and fuller than anything you've been chasing. So take heart. Get up. He's calling you. And if you respond to this call and you encounter the real Jesus, then like Bartimaeus you will find yourself on the road with Jesus, on the road to true greatness, which is the life of cruciform service. You won't just serve because it makes you look good. You won't just serve because it makes you feel good. That's merely cosmetic and therapeutic. No, you you will serve because God has graciously declared you good and acceptable and righteous through faith in Jesus. You will serve because of how you have been served by Christ in the gospel. You will look at the cross and see Jesus carrying your burdens. You will look at the cross and see Jesus washing away your sins. You will look at the cross and see Jesus stooping low to work for you. And your heart will delight to share that same love and service indiscriminately. Jesus shows the disciples how to serve. And Bartimaeus shows the disciples how to follow. At the end of every episode of Song Exploder, after you understand all of the different parts of that song, the final and best version of the song is played so that you can see how it all comes together perfectly. Perfectly. And this is exactly how Mark will end his discipleship exploder. In Jesus, the final and best version of service and mission, love and faithfulness, beauty and goodness come together at the cross. Even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give. Not to be served, but to serve and and to give. As Dr. King put it, you don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. May the message of the gospel The grace of God in Jesus form us for mission through service. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Grace Mosaic. For more information about our church, visit us online at gracemosaic.com.